Welcome to the Sawdust Nation podcast. Uh, this is our 29th episode, and I am Nick with NPG Creations. Uh, we have here with us fine gentlemen known as AJ from Crafted in NJ and Josh from North Country Woodworking. Hello, everybody. Hello. 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 Well, thanks for the intro, Nick. You did a fantastic job, even though Josh was laughing. I might have been laughing, too, but... Trust he was me, you should so go, excited. You should go back to episode <laughs> one and hear our fantastic intros. They were much worse. So anyway, we wanted to thank uh, a couple of our sponsors. First and foremost, I want to thank Total Boat for sponsoring the Sawdust Nation podcast. Um, if you haven't checked out Total Boat products, go check them out. They do everything from epoxy to finishes. And uh, I know I can speak for everybody here. Total Boat is definitely one of, our, one of the staples in our shops and is used constantly. I just uh, use the Halcyon and I love that stuff. Sticker Beat is another one of our sponsors and we want to thank them for providing the stickers that are with our Sawdust Nation podcast on it. And um, all I have to say is Josh has told you thousands of times um, his car has them on it. They go through the snow, sleet, rain, summer. His bottle that he's showing me right now has it on there. He puts them through the dishwasher and they don't go anywhere. They're made of high-quality 3M vinyl, and uh, they stick to pretty much anything. And the nicest part about it is they'll come off if you need them to come off and won't leave any residue behind. So a big thanks goes out to Total Boat and Sticker Beat. And uh, Josh, I got to know, because I feel feel like we haven't talked in like, I think like three years or so. I'm looking at my phone and I'm like, I wonder if everybody's going to make it on this podcast tonight. So... (laughs) I want to know what's uh what's going on in your shop, buddy. Well, as most of you guys already have realized, I've been kind of quiet on Instagram. Um, that's only because well, I've been trying to get some stuff done in the shop and trying to, you know, start off this new year right. And to do that, I needed some time to really get myself together, I guess. And um, organization in the shop is definitely coming along. You know, I've built the drawers, I, I got shelves up. Um, I'm able to clean up much, much faster because everything literally has a place for, um, so it's just, it it made it really nice. It's made it really easy. And because of that, I can start finishing projects faster. Um, I'm not searching around for certain things. Um, and you know, that's going to be a progression thing throughout the year, but, uh, I definitely hit some strides and I'm continuing down that path. Um, this last week, I went ahead and finished the Glowforge table that will now uh, house the uh, Glowforge that we have. Uh, before, we just had a regular table underneath, and you know, being a woodworker, I'm looking at it and I'm like, that that's <laughs> not going to happen. So uh, I went ahead and just you know, I took some scrap that I had in the shop and uh, glued them up and threw some hairpin legs on them, and nice. it looks pretty good. I went uh, down AJ's path with some of his flags and actually burnt the top. And nice. uh, yeah, I what I initially did is I really I charred the entire thing like I, mm-hmm. it was black. I went ahead and I sanded everything down basically to uh, you know so it was pine so white. Yep. And I went ahead and did it again. And when you do that, in my experience, it just makes this really nice like brown. Uh-huh. And uh, that's that's what I got. So I went and I finished it with some Halcyon. It's the first time I actually sprayed it. And nice. uh, 
Yeah, it, it went out pretty smooth. I did cut it a little bit with uh, water because it is a water-based product. And uh, I tell you, it was the first time I used gloss. And I did, I think, three coats, both sides. Um, and it just, it's really nice. I'm not a big fan of anything gloss, but with that table and having the underneath being like burnt, it just, it just pops. Now I was, when I'm doing, cause I'm doing this false floor for a buddy of mine and I'm using the Halcyon for, um, you know, good coating so that it's, cause it's going to be in the back of a trunk. So I want to make sure that it's going to be able to be in the weather, the humidity. And, um, I was reading the back of the, I almost said bottle, but you know, the little pouch that it comes in and yeah. it says to use, if you're going to use gloss, do a few coats of gloss. And then as a top coat, you want to use satin. And I wanted to know if you had done that. And also I do have a question after that about your thinning process for the uh, spray. Cause I tried spraying it and it, it didn't work out for me. So I'm really curious on uh, the ratio that you used. But did you ever hear about the satin as being a top coat? I have heard of it before and uh, mm. usually – so, okay, let me backtrack a little bit. So um, when I've heard of it and the contents I've heard of it was they were trying for a satin appearance anyway. So they did okay. a couple uh, coats of gloss and then two coats of satin to get that um, that look. Mm. Um I did read the back too, and I saw that it did want me to go satin, but I didn't have another container to put it and spray it. So yeah. it's for myself. It was the first time I was spraying it. And to lead into basically the answer for your next question of how I cut it in the ratio, I I just went to the hose and I, I put a little bit in. I, I didn't <laughs> ratio proportion it. I just put enough in to make it look like almost like the polycrylic I spray. Okay. Okay. Um, it, it wasn't much. I, it was just a dab, if you will. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it was just enough so I know that I would be able to spray out fine. I did a test spray on my, um, my platform and it mm. started coming out just fine. I did push up, uh, the amount just a little bit because when I sprayed it where I sprayed my polycritic, it wasn't coming out at the same speed. But once okay. I pushed it up a little bit, it was fine. And it, it sprayed beautifully. It dried like you would brush it on, actually just a tad bit faster because, you know, you're yep. a lighter uh, layer there. But uh, I was very happy with the outcome of it. I mean, like, it turned out great. It dried quickly. And uh, I know it has the protection of the Halcyon from Totobo, so it's yeah. going to last me a lifetime. That's good. Uh, like I said, when I sprayed it that one time, it was just a little too thick for the Wagner sprayer that I have. So, um, yeah. I never thinned any of my, you know, polycrylic. I've never thinned paint before and sprayed it. Um, so I was very curious because they say use like maximum 20%. So I was like, okay, 20%. But like, is it like, how would you, how would you ratio that? You know, I need, I need measurements, you know, two ounces, one ounce, you know. Yeah. But I like your I, idea I of you. just, just make it like the polycrylic. Cause I know that sprays really well. So next time I do it, I'm going to have to start spraying it because I like the spray and I don't have any issues with, you know, spraying all my clears. And that was the only one that I couldn't get right. And it, it, it was like, I wish I could have. And the only thing that I can say on the satin is I did a full flag with, um, I think three or four coats and the mm -hmm. last coat you saw was kind of getting a little milky and, um, they, that's what they were saying would happen as the more 
the more satin coat you put on, the milkier it would get. And uh, that's why they tell you to do a couple of coats of the gloss and then a few of the satin because then you don't have such a deep satin. Yeah. So. That's, you're exactly right. I ran into that when I did the lodge sign because I did about four coats too. And as I was getting toward the third and fourth coat, it was getting a little bit milkier. But, yep. you know, it's an outdoor sign. You're going to see it from far away. You're not going to yep. be looking at it too close. It's going to be hanging pretty high. And it's the North Country winters and like – I'm glad I put four coats on there. It's it's yeah. going to last. Somebody but, grabs uh, a ladder and goes up there and <laughs> – <laughs> hey, good on them if they do. I mean, like, congrats. Inspect my work. You know, give me feedback. I'm all about yeah, it. Right? But, uh, you know, it's a good good time to experiment with spraying it because it's for myself. You know, I can see how it holds up. It's on a table where nothing's going to move because I built it so there's about two inches around the entire Glowforge. Nice. And, yeah, so it's it's not going to be going anywhere. It's not going to be moved unless I, you know, PCS or have to move for any reason. Um, I finished up the spice rack and noodle board, and that was actually picked up today. Um, the due date was the 10th, but I ran into, you know, weather. Um, I basically stained it and I let it dry overnight. And I say dry with quotes because when I woke up and started handling it, I looked at my hands and it started turning brown because of the stain. Um, I had uh, heat going all night with a fan going, trying to circulate the uh, air and keep it at a constant temperature, but it just did not dry in time. So with some grace from the client, they said it was fine for a couple of days later. That gave me time to, you know, get it sprayed and protected and let it dry out. That way I'm not giving them a product that smells and, you know, stinks up their house. So yeah, yeah. they were very happy with it. It was a birthday present. So cool. um, nothing beats, you know, someone receiving your work for a present. Um. I, I know you guys don't have a cricket maker, but for those that do, there is a larger mat out there that I ended up picking up this last round because in the past doing the, um, the names and whatnot, I would have to break it up. Now they allow you to get a larger mat. So it's a 12 by 24 versus a 12 by 12. Mm -hmm. So I was able to do everything as one little piece, right. stick it on and it was, it was smooth. So if you have a cricket or a cricket maker out there, that might be something you're interested in. I'm not then, sure um, if the crickets outside of my house are makers. Yeah, I can ask them next time I hear them. You absolutely should. And I'd love to see that feedback. You know, you should do a reel. I, I just would – I'd really like to see that. I wonder if I could hire them. <laughs> Little helpers. <laughs> so but, – uh, but yeah, um, other than that, I've been uh, commissioned to do a home sign. Um, it was the first time I heard it called that, but basically a last name established in whatever with a little bit of trim. So some CNC work I'm doing uh, Nick's favorite wood, which is cherry. I uh, just milled that down and got uh, it flattened on the CNC and uh, designed it and I'll be carving that out soon. I also have that um, little kitchen helper. Um, I'm actually designing mostly for on the CNC. So my plan is to be able to make these consistently and offer them on Etsy. And uh, I have came across a couple of designs I liked, and I'm going to take parts of each one and um, make it better. So I'm hoping to go ahead and design that, be able to cut it out on the CNC, and it'd be like a five-part stand for uh, kitchen helpers 
which is easy for me to put together, easy for me to produce, and I find safer because the more parts in something, the more something can go wrong. Um, so there's that. Nice. And then, uh, yeah, I got some new tools in. I got a flush cut trim saw about five inches. And I've had a double saw Japanese pole saw for a while, and uh, that works really good for, you know, flush cut, but uh, something a little bit smaller to get in the smaller spaces definitely helps. And then I got my first Bridge City HP, I think it's 8X. It's a mini block plane. And uh, that thing is sweet. I will tell you what, I took it out of the package and I'm I'm hesitant to uh, actually use it because it's a piece of art. Um, but with that addition, I will be building a place for my planes, uh, separate from my actual French cleat wall, allowing me to, uh, you know, utilize the French cleat wall for other tools I use on the daily almost. But other than that, that's about it for my shop. You know, I have some things coming in, things going out like always in organization, but, uh, Nick, man, I, you always have something going in your shop. What do you got? Glad you asked. I have uh, quite a bit going on right now. So as most of you know, uh, I'm about to uh, move here in uh, uh, probably about six weeks. So six or eight weeks in between there. So I have uh, I have to really be conscious of the orders I'm taking and uh, not let too many orders flow in. Um, I'm at a point now where I'm good still, but uh, if things start coming in, uh, and like a surge, I'm going to have to start turning away work, unfortunately. Uh, I have a lot of flags, the normal CNC flags that I do. Uh, uh, I've got about five or six orders backlog right now. And then uh, I just got commissioned to do an American flag uh, gun cabinet that has one of the RFID uh, locks on it. And the customer uh, was adamant about having hardwoods. So I'm Super stoked. I'm going to make this thing about three feet wide. Um, I think the dimensions were like 19 point something inches tall. I can't remember exactly, but it's going to be it's going to be made out of walnut as your union and your, your red stripes and the white stripes are going to be curly maple along with uh, inlaid curly maple stars. Um, mm, now, that's going to yeah. be beautiful, man. So I have to. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. Uh, I rarely get these type of orders because. You know, normally people don't want to pay that much money for that that kind of material, but um, I'm ready to go. Um, I just got some of the parts in today uh, for the for the hardware, and I'm, this weekend I'm going full force on it. But um, nice. yeah, the cabinet's going to hold uh, a few pistols and a rifle, so I, I'm going to do a French cleat on the back and make sure it's sturdy enough to with like I I don't want to put you know. Uh, those little wall sawtooth wall hangers on there and have that thing rip out of the out of the wall. So, yeah. but uh, other than that, um, I I got a couple new tools as well. Uh, I think you just blew AJ's mind with the French cleat. Yeah, because I was toying around. I'm sorry to interrupt, Nick, but no, go ahead. I I just did that wavy flag, and the customer wanted to um to hold like hooks on it to hold an AR. And when I was toying around the idea, I'm like, I, the, the picture hangers that I got, I don't trust them, you know, to hang up, especially putting a rifle on it. The flags are one thing. Um, but then I was like, okay, how am I going to mount this to the wall and make sure it's secure enough? And so I put two larger, um, 
eyelets on the back, like the, the picture hangers and so that they can space it out and use, you know, like, um, either go into a stud or something like that. But I didn't even think about the French cleat. You're going to go with a wood cleat or a metal no, one a, of the- No, a wood French cleat on the rear. So anytime I do a larger project, the weight, regardless of not or not, if it has a weapon on it or not, the weight of that, that item is uh-huh. usually too much for, um, your normal uh, wall anchors. Uh, okay. Now, unless you obviously put it into the stud, but still, you still have to risk the vibration. If something vibrates or somebody bumps it or knocks it, it's going to come yeah. out. That French cleat is probably the safest, most sturdy way of doing it. Uh, uh, mounting a large item to the wall, you you find obviously you guys know you find the studs and you you run those those uh, screws through the, the the back part of the French cleat, like the spike facing outward and up. Yep. And yep. you can have multiple points depending on how big it is. Obviously, what studs are what eighteen inches apart usually. Six, sixteen. Oh. In 16. a perfect yeah. world, they are sixteen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In a so, perfect world, in this house, it's like sixteen, seventeen, maybe fourteen. Who knows? <laughs> so if you run that French cleat along the back of whatever item you're building all the uh-huh. way across, say it's like three feet long, you're gonna at least hit two studs no matter what. Oh um, yeah, yeah. You got two so, studs and, right here. <laughs> that's a good one i was so, waiting when you and it's easier to mount because you're not trying to fiddle with your you, you know you're obviously just trying to find uh make that that back part of that french cleat square on the wall instead of doing the entire flag or trying to to line up two two independent uh yeah. screws for holes on the back of uh, of an item um mm. now that being said i like to hide the french cleat and make it flush with the yep. wall, so I'll. Anytime I I do that, I have I usually have a a, a frame around it, so mm-hmm. the frame hides the back part of the French cleat, and um and in addition, I always put a spacer at the bottom as well, so yeah, whatever yeah. isn't pushing against the doesn't <clears throat> flap back and forth. Um, but yeah, now I'm ex- now do do you go over there and install the cleat on the wall, or do you? Supply them with the other cleat, the screws to put into the wall, and instructions. Just I'm thinking of the normal customer who you you know if I'm selling something to. Yeah, so I've had that issue before when customers are like, uh, "What's this?" and I'm like, "It's a French <laughs> cleat. You you have to mount this facing up and out, and this one is attached to the piece facing down and away. So you know it just slides on. Yeah. So I, I I got into the habit of absolute of just writing. On the piece that mounts to the wall, I write on it, mount to wall, this side facing out. All right? It's army okay. proof at that point. Um, and then I go. <laughs> Kumo then... went. Oh, oh, he's Marines. Never mind. Yeah, he's Marines. Anyway, so. My bad, Kumo. Sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to look at, like, the army says uh, this side towards enemy, like, on their claymores, right? So, but for my. for my uh, uh, Just. Just to throw that out there, when I be messing with something like that, I want it idiot proof, no matter who's playing with yeah, it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But anyway, I've had uh, I've had people come to me and say, I don't I don't know what this piece of wood's for, and how do you mount this thing to the wall? So anyway, uh, yeah, that's how I I make it. You know, not I, I don't know how to say it. I don't want to say idiot proof because you know normal you people don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but I do find that it's it's probably the, your safest option to mount something large under the wall, uh, regardless it, it, of if it's drywall or not. You're just going to go right through the studs. If I didn't um, have flags that sometimes cupped on me a little bit more than I'd like to admit, um, it'd be nice because I'm guessing your boxes are nice and straight in the back. Mine have like a slight curve that I try taking out as much as I can. So, I mean, you gave me ideas in my head and I wish I didn't give them the flag right now because it actually got delivered today because I throw a cleat on it. That's a great idea. Yeah. I didn't even think about it. So, and typically my cleats are pine. They're not going to be like if the whole flag is made out of like pine. hardwoods and all that and the cabinet's made out of hardwoods and looks beautiful and all that, that you'll never see the cleat on the back. Pine is strong enough to hold all that weight, especially yeah, if it's yeah. three feet wide. So, yeah, uh, I fully, fully support that idea. Um, where was I at? I'm, I'm, I'm still on what's <laughs> going on in my shop, right? Yeah. Yes, and before you go into that, I, I do want to add a little bit onto this. I agree. French cleat is the way to go. I use cleats on any of my heavier projects, but uh, I go and I use the metal ones that you can usually just buy real quick. Now, those are rated to like 300 pounds, some of them, depending on which ones you get. And they have multiple holes and they come with instructions. That's one of the reasons I went with that direction is okay. because, but, um, I do like your idea of using pine and it. First of all, it's probably cheaper. And, but I mean, the metal ones, AJ, if they're, they are idiot proof. Like, yeah. you know, I could throw it on. It's not going to be an issue. And then the rest of it literally comes with the hardware. It comes with a little level that inserts into the next piece and wow. instructions step-by-step step with anchors and everything else. So it might be something to work into your pricing or even look at. Uh, well, I might actually want to message the uh, person that I sold that flag to and just let them know, like, because in my head I was thinking that they were going to probably use those um, ooks hangers, those little, like, um, gold ones that have the angled nail that can hold up to like a hundred pounds or something like that. So that's why I put two thinking that they were going to use thinking that somebody would go, Oh, okay. It's heavy. Let me get something that's, you know, heavy, not just go into the drywall with just a, a straight screw. So maybe I'll just tell them to try catching a stud on that one. Just so it's peace of mind. Yeah. absolutely. So, AJ, you said your flags have a little bit of cuppage on the back. Uh, they're, so on the back of any of my cabinet style uh, items, I will have plywood, and that plywood won't cup. You know, so if I'm doing, if I'm building a cabinet mm-hmm. around, you know, that 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 plywood is the back backboard, so it will never. I don't ever have to worry about it cupping or bowing, uh, within reason, obviously. If it's left out in, yep. in the weather, it'll do that. But um, that's how I get around. You know full hardwood in the back side of the cabinet. Then I don't have to okay. worry about the wood shifting either because it's always going to be straight mm-hmm. and flat. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. But uh, other than that, I have uh, quite a few things in motion at the moment. I've ordered a, a full riser kit, stiffeners, uh, new Z, uh, super Z-axis for my CNC machine. Um Oh, and screw, uh, what is it, rack and pinion screws to, to make the thing go uh, move pinpoint movements. Um, this way it will replace the old belt system. I ordered that from TBDCNC. And uh, just today, actually, I, I got in touch with a guy here in New Jersey who builds CNC machines uh, for a living. And um, 
I believe the company, I think it's called Wood and Metal Customs, and they're down in uh, southern New Jersey. But they, they, uh, the gentleman that I spoke to custom is custom making me a new controller. It's going to make me something state-of-the-art for X-Carve, obviously. And I'm going to have, you know, my machine, once I'm done upgrading it and get all these parts on there, is going to be a monster for an X-Carve. It's going to be an X-X-Carve. Um, <laughs> the Nick Carve. Well, and lastly, um, a couple of tools that I did get in. I know I mentioned it earlier, but I got that flush cut, tr- uh, that flush cut trim bit in. Uh, it's called the Ultimate Combination Trim Bit. It's mm-hmm. uh, white, made by Whiteside, and it's uh, model number is UDC9112. And that thing is a monster. It will – I mean there is virtually no kickback or any sort of issue on my router table. Um, as opposed to the straight bits that we talked to about last time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, another item I, I received from a very good friend of mine over at Alfonso Grace Goods. He, uh, he made me a tool roll for my Lee Nielsen, Lee Nielsen uh, wood chisels. Nice. So I, I, I spoke with him. Uh, we custom engineered this, this roll for everything I wanted a roll to be. Because in my old roll, I would have my, my chisels falling out the top. Or, you know, it was just not made for exactly for what my chisels are. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the, the gentleman, uh, Julian, helped me out, came and took measurements. We met up. He took measurements of my, my tools. And then he um, custom built this thing out of leather. It's beautiful. Check it out on my Instagram if you want to see it. Nice. But uh, other than that, I don't have anything else going on in my shop at this particular moment other than sitting here talking to you gents. But uh, how about you, AJ? What do you got going on? What's going uh, on in your you shop? Know, same old, same old, you know, flags, flags, flags. And I'm just getting more and more orders each and every day. Um, I just did a few flags today. Um, what did I do? I stained a few, got a few cleared. So actually, I'm, I'm kind of happy now because I'm getting a few that are due – Towards the end of this month, I'm getting them done so that they're done and I'm not, you know, pressed for time. So um, I got just flags. I got uh, a coffee rack that I got to make or a coffee cup rack that I got to make. It's a smaller version of the one that I made before. Uh, A little bit different, more rustic looking. Um, Valentine's Day is coming up and I want to try to get a few of those um, pallet wood hearts that I did. Um, Yes, Josh. It's, It's like... A month away, a little over a month. You got time. You got yeah, time. do not scare me like that. <laughs> We're still in January, but you know you got to plan ahead. Woo! Man, so, I thought I was in trouble there for a minute. <laughs> no, no, I'm just trying to plan early. So um, I want to try to get a few of those pallet wood um, hearts that I had made. I made four different sizes, and it was like a bundle. So I want to try to get a few of those together and maybe put them up on Etsy to see if I can get them sold. Uh, welcome signs coming down the pipeline. I got to make that out of ash. Um, I got to make another sign that I have to see and see. Got a few signs that I have to do as well. So just flag signs. And, uh, I don't think there's anything really like off the charts that I have to do. I know I got to play around with my 3d printer a couple times. Cause, uh, I finally got the Prusa running. Uh, that is, an amazing machine. I have to say now I know why a lot of people go with that or that even, even that style, just having the, uh, the Z 
And I'm sorry, the X and Y on the uh, – wow, I'm really screwing this one up. I'm like lost. But the bed, <laughs> to have a heated bed yeah. and a bed that moves is completely different than that Delta that I have, the Flux Delta. It's an awesome printer, I have to say. Um, I screwed up a few times because uh, I'm learning. And the filament that I was using was for the Flux Delta. So I'm guessing that it melts at a different temperature and it didn't like the heated bed plus the uh, higher temp at the nozzle. So, um, yeah, let's just say I had like six prints fail because it, it stuck for about, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes and then it broke loose. Of course, every time I turned my back, it would break loose. Every time I was looking at it, it was perfectly fine. So um, finally figured that out, changed the filament, no problem there. But um, yeah, for my shop, I mean, that's pretty much what's going on. And as you guys mentioned, new tools. I um, just recently became part of the <clears throat> Festool owners group. Josh does uh, not approve. Um, I'm just jealous. That's all that I, I approve. Congratulations. Welcome to the club. Thank you, thank you. It, it next is a, a domino, so I don't use it on anything. But um, I am part. Uh, I just bought the Festool CT thirty six, I believe it is vacuum and or dust extractor, as they would call it, and uh, it has changed my sanding game uh, tenfold because now there's no dust left behind, and uh, paired with that Merca, it really, really is a game changer. I have to say. So, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if there was any other tools that I had purchased just recently, but I don't believe so. Yes, Nick. So I, I was I was actually looking up because I was looking at getting another one for my shop as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you have like the Gucci model, but have you ever heard of the company called uh, Fien or F-E-I-N? Yep, Fine. Yeah, fine, they, fine. I, heard they make, I heard they make dust extractors that are pretty comparable to the, uh, as far as suction goes, pretty comparable to the Festool's. Um, yeah. I'm not too certain about that because I've never seen one in person, but I've heard good things. Josh sent me one and, uh, I, I was looking at those, but the only difference and the main reason that I went with the Festool is, um, it has an adjustable suction. So if you do use it for sanding, you lower the suction so that it, ha- it can pick up without creating like a venture, a venturi within the hose. That's what I was having an issue on my rigid. It would just collect dust in the hose and, you know, I'd take it off the sander and dust would go everywhere. I literally took the Festool off and had nothing fall out. So I know it's a, uh, definitely sucking it better with a lower suction. So the the fine that uh, Josh sent was just, it was a, they, I think they called it even a shop vac, if I'm not mistaken, where it was just on or off. I have to look at it again, but yeah. I mean, it's... It, it's an expensive shop vac for the fine. I know what was it? Fest, it was I like think three like fifty or bucks. something. Yeah, it was well, like three fifty. Yeah, the one I was looking at was three fifty. Now I've never had that problem that you said about turning the suction down. When I sand on, we're using my. I have the Festool CT fifteen, and um, that you know I told, put it on full power, and that. It sucks all the, the dust up. I don't have any problems with my sander, mm. and I have a Festool sander, so it's not it's you know it's not a Merca, but uh, or what? it's, it's a, still. F- well, I, I I think it's I think it's just the 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 overall design of that vacuum is made for that hose. So they even at full blast, it's still designed for that hose. The that rigid, 
the hose that I was using was uh, like their detail hose, they call it. You know, uh, it's a it's like a one and a quarter inch ho- uh, hose with a smaller port on the front. So you're going from this tiny port up front to this one and one quarter hose itself, and then to a two and a half inch. So there's a lot of um, it's it's definitely creating uh, turbulence within that hose, and it's not getting all the way to the uh, the machine itself. And the other nice thing is that Festool hose is anti-static, and I kept yeah. on getting shocked while I was sanding with the rigid. So it's definitely – and if you're getting shocked, you know that that air is not just going through it. It's actually – it's still sitting in there creating a lot of turbulence. So I, I got to say I love the Festool hose. Um, I don't <laughs> have the ant- – <laughs> I mean I'm, a, I'm on the Festool hose train, but um, – <laughs> Everybody says, you know, get the anti-static, get the anti-static. Well, the price difference is absolutely astounding between the non-anti-static and the and the ones that have that liner over the top. So yeah. I I, che- I cheaped out and I got the you know the basic gray Festool size hose, and I've never had any issues with getting shocked or anything like that. Knock on wood, obviously, uh, but I think I don't know. What do you what do you think? Is it do you think it's a gimmick or is it a fact? That- it's a I was sanding with it today for quite some time and I kept touching the hose just to make sure. You know, I wanted to see. I wanted to I wanted the hose to shock me and it didn't. Not once. Um I I'm literally the ho- the hose hangs from my ceiling. And you got This is a family hanging. show. Hose swinging from the ceiling, huh? Yes, and it's attached by a bungee cord, so it's got some spring to it. And um, when I had the rigid uh, hose hanging from the ceiling, it wasn't it, – every time I went near it, because my arm would go like brush up against the hose, and it would shock me. So this one – and I have to say with the, the sheath on the outside of the hose, it's it's even nicer because it glides along the pro- – the hose glide along oh, my okay. project. Yeah, so, I've had problems with the ridges sticking to like the corner of a of a my bench or my t- my saw. So. Uh huh. And for those the, of us that don't have Fez tool, I can attest to the fact it does stick to the edge of your benches and whatnot. Shocks you almost every time. And then when you remove the hose and put it away, all that dust that you collected <laughs> now is on the floor or just falling out of the hose as you put it away. Yep. I, honestly, I I. I hear what you're saying, but I've never had the, that problem. Now, the one hose that did shock me was when I hooked a hose up to my planer, because I have that big boy Dewalt planer. And you hooked up that I, Fest tool? No, I hook up a uh, like a, I think it's a two and a half inch hose from oh. from uh, that came with a rigid, uh-huh. and uh, that that sucker that thing will collect some some charge. So you gotta oh, be careful yeah. when you're. It, Especially it, during those winters. Oh yeah, well, during the winter. Yeah, when that air is nice and dry, it's like oh yeah, it's it's a just a recipe for disaster. But you, the same thing with your planer. That's a four inch port, correct? I have a four. Is there's a four inch port, and then there's a built in two and a half. I think or two and a half or three, whatever the smaller. Uh, okay, two and a half. Yeah, so it works with both. I prefer to have the four inch hose on the planer. The yep. problem with that is I don't have enough four-inch hose to stretch it that far to my dust collector, so I mm. I just use what I got from from Rigid when I way back when I had a Rigid uh, 
shop vac. Yeah. Works fine. I, Just don't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> Go near it. Look at it. I have to say the the and then we'll get off of this, but that the fest tool. I was so actually the delivery guy who who dropped it off. I wasn't home. I was at work, and Kim was downstairs in the basement, so she didn't hear the doorbell. So afterwards, I I look on my doorbell camera and I see the guy like waiting there. And he had already left, so I watched the recording. And he's like waiting. He rang the bell twice. He knocked. He's he's waiting. And I'm like, is this guy just protecting the festool? You know, maybe he knows what it is and he wants it to be delivered to somebody so it doesn't get swiped off your porch. He's like, I saw him the next day when he dropped something off, and he's like, hey, I really needed a signature for that, but I figured you wanted it, so I just left it, and I figured it it would get you know uh, brought inside you know, after I left. So I was lucky enough that I didn't have to hunt it down. You're about to get somebody in trouble there, AJ. Yeah, I was about to say. Nah, nah. Nobody nobody from that company. And it came in an unmarked white uh, box van, so I'm not really sure who the delivery people were. Well, I've got a bone to pick with one third-party logistics company because they left a festal track saw on my front porch that was supposed to have a signature. They forged my name and left it there, and I didn't know it was delivered until I got home, like, later on that day, so. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, luckily I knew, so I I called Kim, and I was like, you got to go upstairs now and go drag that, you know, that bad boy in before somebody comes comes up the street and swipes it, but... I was I was lucky enough that I got it that day, and it's the thirty six. It's a big machine, but it's so light. I was very very surprised on the weight of those uh, dust extractors. Oh yeah, there ain't nothing to them, man. And the, no. but the bags are so expensive. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was looking. But apparently, the bag is not terrible. It's the I think the HEPA filter that is more expensive than than the bag. I know they make unlimited bags like there's a bag that you can take out dump yep. and then clean up but i think they're like two hundred dollars for that bag and you can you can empty it and put it back in the machine for up to like 200 200 uh whatever times yeah oh my look it up on look it up on amazon just type in your welcome your, to the world of festival my friend well yeah well they were <laughs> it's true i i anyway, still love it though let me tell you it's nice. Let's, let's get off our fest tools and uh, let's talk about uh, something else. Oh, yeah. I, I was supposed to jump into the question. Thanks for reminding me, Nick. So no anyway, <laughs> so uh, we got a question in today, and it is from Jesse Four Woodworks. And Josh is going to be queuing that up right now. And go. And go. Hey, guys. It's Jesse from Jesse Four Woodworks. Hey, so I like to do a lot of joinery, but I don't have the proper tools for any of it. So what I found myself doing is custom making a whole bunch of jigs so I can use my router and table saw to do all kinds of different joinery. So what I was wondering is, do you guys have jigs that you've built? And uh, what's your favorite ones to use for what joints? Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. That's a good question. Well, then I think Nick can go first. <laughs> all right. I'm going to go first. Go, Nick. Go. <laughs> so... So I've I've found myself recently building some more jigs because of uh, I want to make my joints and on any of my boxes that I make I want to make them a little more fancy. I'm not to the point where I'm doing um, 
complete dovetails or anything yet. However, mm-hmm. I have I I prefer the uh, ninety degree miters or what is it forty five degree miters to get to uh, to get a box yep. like in a square. Um, but I wanted to make it look a little more professional, so I built a spline jig uh, the other day, nice. and I built a box and started splining um, with opposite color woods, and it definitely cool. looks a little more professional, and uh, it looks like I it looks like there's more care and time invested in the in the mm-hmm. project. Um, other than that, I have been practicing with the do- making dovetails, but other than that. That my my spline jig is my my new baby. How about you, Josh? No, no, no. Oh, okay, I'm gonna listen no, to what fine, Josh has fine, first. Fine. So, um, I don't have any fancy jigs or anything other than the uh, port cable dovetail jig that I bought in the beginning of the year. Um, AJ knows about that. He has one. He's been collecting dust for about a year. I think it's been his birthday not too long ago. Calling you out. <laughs> Sorry. Man. I'll let you know how long it's been. Okay, you look it up. But uh, joinery, so it's something that I definitely want to do. I have the tools to do it. I just have to sit down and actually start, you know, finding the time to hand cut some of this stuff. But uh, dovetails, box joints, and that such. Um, that Porter cable, I believe it's a 4216. Um, Nick, actually, you came over while I, you know, tried to show you how that worked. Um, I use that. It works just fine. Um, it dovetails especially. You can do half-line dovetails. You can do a whole assortment of different uh, joinery on there. And, uh, you know, when I do boxes, that's what I pull out and go ahead and uh, use. It's something that I'm familiar with now and uh, can use fairly well. Um, but that's the only jig that I have bought or have used to make any kind of joinery thus far in the shop. Okay, nice. AJ, what do you got? Well, it is one year and almost four months since I bought that uh, Porter Cable uh, dovetail jig, and it is still in the box. I opened it once, looked at it, put it back in the box. Actually, I never even took it out. I took the manual out and uh, put it back in, and now I think it holds up my circular saw. I keep putting it on there and taking it off. One day in 10 years, I'll, I'll probably uh, – be using it so but i don't make a lot of boxes for anything so i don't really have to worry about it but recently i picked up the rockler doweling jig and um never used it it's still in the box but i picked it up (laughs) for the time that i am going to use it so in 10 years yeah it's the corner key something corner key doweling jig um from rockler and it comes with a few sizes that you can drill. I actually bought dowels as well when I bought this, and they're still sitting on the shelf as well. Um, it is. It looks like a solid machine. I mean, a, a jig. You know, just in case you guys need to know how it looks, I can provide how it looks. I can't provide how it performs. Um, but when I was making the wedding ring box, I used a spline jig for that and made it on the fly, and it worked out really well. And the color contrast, because I did Paduke and purple heart in a walnut box and it came out really really nice so uh what what woods did you use nick on your uh, splines oh so i had um the box that i built was out of white ma- or excuse me not white maple it was a uh, white oak 
And then I used uh, some leftover Purple Heart that I had already uh, really – I resawed it down to a – I was build, making inlays with it beforehand, and I had some leftover. So it was nice and thin. So I made nice. it, made sure it was the same kerf as the saw blade, like the same width, and then I just put it in there and with some glue and waited for it to dry and ban- uh, bandsawed the rest off and sanded. It was beautiful. So nice. it was that that like beautiful purple on white oak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But That's you, nice. I, trying to think of your. Uh, did you post that up? Because I'm not sure no, if I've ever seen that. No, I didn't post that up. That was so. Some projects I'll post uh, because I think they look fantastic. But if I have a project that is in commemoration of somebody who's fall like a fallen officer or yeah. something like that, I I think that's a little too personal for me to post up. So I. I yep. typically just keep those to myself, and if a customer wants to see uh, an example of a box that I've made, I can send that directly to them so they can see it. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna use somebody's misery as my, as my advertisement. Um, but I wanted to bring up another thing about making your own jigs. So, making your own jigs is great, and I, I, I felt I feel so much accomplishment for making my own tools. You know, because I've made the the crosscut sled myself. And I made the spline jig myself, but I kind of bit myself beforehand when I didn't test it out before I started using it. So I was I was using that crosscut sled, and it wasn't completely square, and I wasted material. So I had to go back and fix my mistakes um, before I started using it again. Now I, when I built a spline jig, I didn't make that mistake twice. You know, fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Well, you're not going to fool me twice, right? So I uh, tested it out, uh, made any adjustments I needed to make, and you know I obviously used scrap wood to test it out with, and then boom, made it good. But make things right the first time. You never have to worry about that, right, Josh? Yeah, man. I, I made my cross-cut uh, sled, and that's really my first jig I've ever made in the shop. And... I did. I did test it out. I did a lot of research on how to test it out. It's a five cut method. You basically you have a square. You test it. You do five cuts. You see the difference, and that will tell you, you know, how off if from straight it is. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I forget the measurement, but it was enough where over eighteen inches. I didn't lose anything worth even coming close to one sixty fourth yeah. of an inch. And one sixty fourth of an inch is, you know. For me, I want it perfect, but I mean, like, it was it was far enough away from that where I wasn't concerned about it. And over yeah. eighteen inches, that was that was fine. I couldn't think at the time that I was going to be doing anything else on the cross cut sled that would matter that much. Mm-hmm. Now, to check your square, did you do the five cuts method with that 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 uh that jig that you made? Yeah, I'll answer. Yes, yes. Okay, uh, so if you. I don't know if it. I mean, I know a lot of people know the the five cuts is like you put a piece of wood on the on the on the crosscut sled and you start cutting it uh, and then rotating, cut it, rotate, cut and rotate. I don't know if if maybe Welcome, it's called Nick. something different, but what's you, up? I, I think he Did blacked you? out there for a minute. What's that? <laughs> We'll say he lost audio. Um, yes. Yeah, when I did my crosscut sled, I did the five cut method. Um, I did a lot of research, and uh, that's how I checked it, and that's how I knew it was below one sixty four of an inch off. Oh, outstanding! Um, so, hey, when yeah. you made that crosscut sled, did you 
Did you do the five cuts? Man, I'm just playing, man. Honestly, we're I just was... on repeat here. But no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you, you basically a square. You cut it five times, and at the end, you just measure it and see how far you're off. Um, it's on YouTube like a thousand different times. So if you get confused from one person, you can watch the same thing from another, and they'll explain it some different way that you might understand. But uh, yeah, I did that, and honestly, I. I love your crosscut sled, Nick. I love how it turned out, the one you recently did. I definitely would like to go back and revisit and maybe do a micro jig crosscut sled and then utilize that a little more. I have modified mine to be able to use their clamps, but uh, it, it, there's so much you could do with them. And mm-hmm. with the current setup I have, I don't know if I really need to redo it, but it might be sometime this year. I mean, I you could back. always build it up too. I went a little hard in the paint on mine, though, because I put the, all the T-Track in there and with the stopper, the sliding stopper and all that. And it's a double it's a double layer, three-quarter inch plywood, um, that cabinet-grade plywood. Uh, yeah. I, I used an old cutting board to fit in the miter slots and then <laughs> married that. No, I'm serious. It, that, that stuff works. It's uh, like a plastic, the hard plastic yep. that it just glides along the those miter slots. But That's yeah, good. my wife was cooking, and I was like, uh, "Are you going to use this?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, gone. Yeah, so, uh, I'll make you one. With it now. I yeah, used. Uh, I, I just, I, go ahead, man. No, no, no. I'm, I'm. Go ahead. Okay, I guess I will. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I didn't do that the first time around, and that's one thing I would change is use one of those um, – I forget what it's called, the plastic. But uh, yeah. use one of those plastic cum boards essentially. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons I like the Microjig product is because I don't have to buy the T-Track. Because I was yeah. starting down that path, and I was buying T-Tracks, and it was just – it gets expensive. And then when I found Microjig, when I could just do a dovetail and then – throw in one of their clamps or one of their uh, jigs, little yeah. green doodads. I mean, like, it, it's so much cheaper. I mean, yeah, their their clamps are a little pricey, but what clamps aren't? And I already have, like, eight of them. So, I mean, like, use what you have. I have to imagine, though, that those micro jig clamps are super versatile as well. Not yep. like They are. I have uh, Incra clamps on mine that are, like, screw-down clamps, and I wish I had a micro jig clamp that would fit in that T track just because you could, you can lock stuff to the fence, to the floor sideways. It doesn't matter. That stuff's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I've, we talked about micro jig like a hundred times on these episodes, but they are so versatile and that's one of the reasons I like them. And that's one of the reasons you see it throughout my shop. And one of the reasons I, I teared up a little bit when I took apart my cart that had uh, the micro jig system on it. I kept the plywood that had the dovetails and everything in it, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna find a home somewhere in the shop where I can still utilize that system. I just uh, right now it's taking a break in the corner, so nice. Yeah, my uh, my crosscut sled has um, <clears throat> some good tolerances on it because I used walnut runners, and uh, when I cut those walnut runners, I didn't uh, put them in right, so mine. As I said once before, it's probably as straight as a Harbor Freight square. Um, <laughs> so I, I actually had to use my fence to hold it to one side so it wouldn't flop around. 
And uh, let me tell you, I mean, it cut, it cut fine, but it's got a little bit of a slop if I don't have anything like pushing it to one side. So that's my experience with a crosscut sled. It wasn't good the first time. So I, I, I like the crosscut sled for repeatable cuts on straight line cuts. But my favorite, like that tool that I I told you about before that I got was that um, was the Incra miter uh, the miter gauge miter gauge. gauge man I used that for the first time I think yeah on that box I was talking about yeah. that thing is wonderful I, I I can't get over how wonderful it is um, and it's accurate too I think they really did think of everything when they made that I still need to get a proper miter gauge and. Uh... Like I keep, I keep toying around the idea with either the Ankra or um, just spend the money and get a Jessam. You know, I want something that has a lot of options to it, so it's just not a straight fence. You know, they have the uh, included stop blocks in it. They have the expandable fence. You know, all those micro adjustments. I mean, I really just need. I wish they made it, but a uh, a, a what the hell a miter gauge to do ninety or forty five because that's all I'm doing. You know, I'm not doing anything weird like 33 and a half degrees. So, um, but I definitely need to invest in a new miter gauge because I'm using the stock one. And let me tell you, that's uh, not fun with no fence on it. So, uh, yeah. Um, Harvey Tools actually has one too. Um, yeah, They're like an off-branch from Bridge City. And it's a Compass MG36. And it's it's up there in price like most of these. Um, but it is one, it, first of all, anything from these, these brands, they're almost like yeah. a work of art, but, uh, they think of everything on that too. This thing is just absolutely amazing. And it, it has this, the same features as most of the Jessam mm-hmm. and, uh, Anchor as well. But, uh, yeah, it, that, that's definitely a tool purchase sometime in the future. Um, and with that, you know, maybe upgrading the crosscut sled and I honestly, other than some jigs here and there, but I, the only two things I think I would need on my uh, table saw. Mm. Yeah, you still I have still toying around that idea. Which idea? Did you just say the only new tool would be a table saw? Um. Well, of, of course, eventually I would like a table saw. I do have a place for it in the actual shop. Mm. Um, I haven't. Eventually, when I get back doing stories, I'll kind of show my shop a little bit more. But I found a place in my shop where I can actually park my table saw cart and uh, utilize it almost like a you know cabinet made table saw, much like um, you know AJ and Nick have. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's one of those things where if I find a good price, I, I might grab a rigid to hold me off until I get a bigger house. But right now, I'm doing fairly well with a Dewalt that I have, and I don't have a good reason to go out and buy, you know, a saw stop or anything at the moment. I don't have the room, first off. And unless I find a deal that just I can't beat, like almost like on the Glowforge type deal, I, I'm going to stick with what I have. So nice. I, I got to say, like, I only upgraded my saw, my, my table saw to the Delta um, it, because the rigid I had, I couldn't get a straight cut out of it to save my life. There was so much deflection in the in the blade. There was so the the fence would never stay square. 
I, I mean, it was a contractor style saw, and I think I paid, I don't know, like a couple hundred bucks for it at the Home Depot. But it's great. I, I'm assuming it's great for outdoors building houses or whatever you need to do to cut stuff. But for the accuracy I needed was not. I I couldn't keep keep banging my head up against a wall to get a board cut straight. You're not wrong. And uh, okay, so here we go. Table saw and woodworking. A lot of people use their table saws for almost everything. They it's one of their base tools, and that's how they get their cuts. That's how they get everything. Now. Mine, I use for the general purpose of cutting things down and not necessarily for the last final cut. Um, you know, I get as close as I can with it and then I go ahead and I, you know, marry things up in different ways. But um, I know going off of my table saw, I have everything pretty much the way you need it. That there's always going to be some deflection. I don't have, you know, the amount of power that, you know, a bigger saw would have, which I run into almost every time I use it. Um, dust collection is okay. I, yeah. I get some dust where it needs to go. But uh, it's one of those things where I have a table saw. It's working for me. And at the moment, I don't see I need to upgrade. And I, I keep looking at the marketplace. I keep looking to see these different deals. And I found a couple. But – uh it's just one of those things where I'm waiting for that perfect deal to pop up almost, like I said, the Goldforge, like waiting for that to happen again. And uh, I'll pick up one eventually. But yeah. right now I have the shop set up where it's it's fine. I'm, I'm not going to go out tomorrow and buy one. It's just one of those things where Nick knows we don't have a lot of room in our shop. So finding the room for a major uh, tool is very difficult. And I've already had to do that multiple times this last year. So, yeah, I hear you. So, so hey, do you use? Oh, go ahead. No, no, go. I have nothing on your. I was just on your tables. So. <laughs> on your table saws, do you guys use thin curve blades, or do you all no. use just the regular uh, combination combination blade or a fine uh, finer cut blade? Uh, did you pick up the same blade I did, Josh, at the woodworking show? No, I don't. Think uh, I did not. I think they tried to uh, talk me into it, but I I didn't go with it. I I bought a I, I'm gonna butcher the name like we did episodes before, but fr- fraud fruit Freud I don't Freud yeah sir edit that in so um yeah I bought the Freud I think it's an industrial ice coated uh, blade it's forty tooth combination and all i have to say is they have these chunks of carbide on it that you could resharpen i think they said up to six times before the blade's no good and um i clean it every once in a while when i notice that it's you know not cutting but it's a standard eighth inch kerf and it cuts like butter through everything you push it through so i i don't i i try steering clear a thin kerf um just because i like the the full kerf i like the weight behind it to power through, um, you know, I just wish I had a better saw, but that rigid that I got, you know, works fine. What about you, Josh? So, oh, go ahead. Um, yeah, I have the regular curve. I uh, use combination. I think it's a 40 tooth as well. Um, it's nothing special. Um, I bought it a while ago. I clean it every here and there. Um, I like to upgrade the, uh, blades in the shop. That's something I will be looking at this year. Basically, starting with the table saw and working my way around. Um, spider, 
is uh, yep. something I've been looking at. Um, there's other brands on the list as well, but uh, I think I'm going to start with Spider and then see how that goes. Um, Nick, I know you're chopping at the bit here. So what brands do you use and what are you using in your table saw or saws? So I think I was using a – before I was using a Diablo 60-tooth. Mine's a 10-inch table saw uh, blade. But uh, I was – I cleaned it and all that. I still kept getting burn marks when I was ripping, so I'm, I was like, "Man, I gotta, I gotta do something," because I know my fence is parallel. Um, so I went and looked, did a little research, and I know Freud. They made a thin curve glue line rip blade, and I bought that blade, and it's hundred percent different when I'm when I'm ripping boards, and that's particularly yeah. the only thing I use to rip is is a table saw. Um, I mean, I'll use it for cross cuts every now and then, or miters every now and then. When my miter saw, my my festal miter saw isn't, you know, it's, if it's too big for that. So, but I, I have to give Freud uh, kudos on that blade because that thing is absolutely wonderful on that glue line rip uh, thin curve blade. That's what I heard, and I heard that from a, a few makers. Uh, one in particular was. Uh, Christian Tierno over at Tierno Woodworks, uh, Woodworking. Probably screwed his uh, Instagram name up, but we'll put it in the comments. Um, I I don't change my blade out. My blade stays the same for everything that I do from ripping to cross-cutting to, you know, just looking pretty. And, you know, he was uh, he did some videos on it about when he changes his blade out and which one he used, and I messaged him, and he told me that uh, the same blade you were just talking about, Nick, is like, the one to go for, you know, glue line rips. And, um, I never, when I first got into this little journey of mine, I never knew what a glue line rip was. I thought it was when you screwed up and you had to cut the glue line <laughs> of the piece. So, uh, lo and behold, I realized that it gives you a better finish. Uh, so you can glue them up. And, um, now speaking of switching blades out, I don't switch blades. What about you guys? You mean to make different cuts? Yeah, like if you had you, I don't know if you do any dado stacks or anything like that. Um, I'm absolutely terrified of dado stacks because uh, one blade's enough on that table saw. So I don't get how you can throw like a set of blades plus like those chipper teeth in there. Just doesn't seem like it would work out for me. Josh, you want to go first? Yeah, mine's pretty simple. I'm a one blade wonder. Um, I have my combination blade that I use. Now, again, I be, I am trying to change that up this year. Um, I would definitely like to get into the technology of the different blades out there and what I should be using on my table saw versus what I'm currently using. You know, progress, learning, and all that. Um, but it's one of those things where I can't use a diddle stack on mine. And if I did, I have heard tales of it being very, very small diddle stack, which... Is it really worth anything? So it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'm going to probably get a couple good blades. I'll be switching them out when I do different stuff. Um, but that's in the future. I don't do anything currently. I use my combination blade for pretty much everything. So, uh, Nick, I know you changed them out. So you go. Yeah. So if I'm if I'm doing uh, cross cuts, I'll, I'll use a, a normal curve um, a Diablo blade. Because it, it cuts fine cross cut. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm doing obviously ripping, I'm using that glue line rip blade from Freud. And then 
if I'm making coin racks or grooves in something, uh, I prefer to use my router table. However, if I'm making like a stadium seat style coin rack where it's angled and I have to get those cuts angled, I will use that uh, Freud Super Dato Dato stack um, in order to achieve that. It it's it's wonderful. It makes light work of any hardwood. So the only the only gripe I have right now is my table saw won't fit the entire stack. Yeah, I think it will only fit like maybe I want to say a little less than half of it, half an inch worth of um, worth of the dado stack. So huh. so I can't get that full like inch inch or inch and a half dado out of it. You know what I mean? An inch? I think it's a an inch is the is the 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 largest you can cut with that. I gotta I gotta Holy double check. God. But it's a lot of there's a lot of pieces in that in that kit. And I did get that kit off the Facebook market and it's it was barely used and I got it for a fantastic price. Let me tell you, without a data stack, it makes long work of most of the stuff I have to use. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'll sit there and I'll be like, I don't know why I'm doing it this way. A uh, router table, in fact, for uh, any coin racks is what I suggested to AJ. Yep. But I have yet to actually take my own advice and I continue to use the table saw because that's what I've done it on and no one love. Um, so it's just two passes and it doesn't take much to, to do that. Yeah. that the I've had some issues with, as we mentioned multiple times as well, um, I'm still in the process of is Nick try? I mean, is uh, Josh trying to get into Nick's uh, place? Yeah, I'm trying to break in. Um, I heard he has some new tools, and uh, mm. I don't have a scooter this time. I have the car, but whatever nice. I can fit. But anyway, um, you know, I lost my train of thought as I was trying to. <laughs> you know, I, I like to put projects off for years and years and months and months. So that router table is still not even started i have the plywood i have the insert and that would make my life a lot easier to do those uh coin racks but um i i did it on a little ryobi router table and uh, the fence loosened up on me so next thing i know it's not straight through it was kind of angled and so one the first it started out in the center and then it ended up almost cutting through the edge of the uh coin rack so i had to tighten up my fence a little bit more with a pair of channel locks so that's my router table experience, and I cannot wait to get that uh, Craig insert that you sent me, Josh, finally installed. <laughs> yeah, having a dedicated router table would be nice, Nick. Yes, it would. <laughs> but uh, with that, um, any quick mess-ups this week? Anyone have any uh, things they want to share with the crowd of what not to do because uh, they really messed up? I got one. It's stupid, but I, I got one. So Go you know how if you're using spray paint, you always shake the bottle and do a little test spray first just yep. to make sure you're getting a good, getting a good stream? You all <laughs> know what I'm talking about? Yep. Well, I, I didn't do that. I was using clear coat. And I went to – so anytime I'm, I'm getting ready to carve out a – anything, I always clear coat before I paint and, I, and then I clear coat again before I carve. So I was using this clear coat bottle. I was shaking it up, and I went to go spray, and the whole darn piece of wood got covered with like a white frost, and it was all powdery. I don't know what happened, but 
it's my fault for not checking it beforehand. Um, nice. So what I did was I flipped the wood over, got a good bottle of spray or spray uh, clear coat, sprayed it that way. And then once the carve was done, I, I, uh, I went ahead and sanded the back and got all that, that nastiness off. But it could have been catastrophic if I was going to clear coat a finished product and that happened, you know? Yeah, it would have been. What about you, Josh? So uh, we did a whole safety week, and uh, I was the start of that. And I didn't do anything too crazy, but I wasn't very safe when I'm using the table saw. So I was making a drawer for my CNC station, and I needed like less than a quarter inch taken off this, this panel. So I'm like, ah, I just throw it on a table saw, I'll cut it off, right? I didn't even think about holding down the piece that I was trimming, and I got some kickback. And I Ooh. was right in the line of the kickback. And uh, I caught it, like, I caught it pretty good. Like, I, I felt it. I started, <laughs> I shut the table saw off. And, you know, right there and there, I checked. Uh, the wife actually came in and was about to ask me a question. I'm like, I, I need a minute. I'll get back to you. <laughs> like, it's, okay, it scared me. Like, it really did. Because that's the fr- I've had kickback before, but I never got hit by it, A. Yeah. B, I got hit by it, and it kind of, I was, I want to say a shock, but I wasn't shocked enough to turn it off and just take a moment to be like, what just happened? How can I prevent it again? And here's the kicker. Here's, here's the kicker in this whole thing. So I have the Michael Jag uh, gripper and, you know, Peter from Petrie workshop, he has these little uh, things. So you put that on and it's literally like six inches below my table saw is. So if I would have took that out and I would have set that up and used it, I would never had the issue, but I did it because I was in a hurry and I got that kickback and now I have the bruise to probably wear for how long I have it. So that little story, always secure your pieces, step to the side of your piece. Don't step right behind it. Something that I've done this entire time, except for this one time. And that's all it takes. God forbid that it was a sharp or, you know, caught me in a very sensitive area it would have been a lot more damage. Just saying, be safe out there. Don't do what I did. And, uh, yeah, I, I hope to God I don't do it again. I might sound like a, a little girl for this, but I refuse to use a table saw without a gripper. Uh, I was at a buddy's house, and he had no riving knife on it. And he's, you know, it was a little Milwaukee-powered uh, table saw. So he put it on the ground and he's like doing this sketchy cut. And he, he asked me, he's like, you want to just rip down a two by four. Now I've seen the two by fours that I, I ripped down and I've seen them clamp onto my riving knife. And I told him, no, I'm like point blank. I'm, I don't feel like having a piece of wood kick back on me. Luckily this far, I have not had kickback. Um, I've had other issues with table saws, but you know, that's a big fear of mine. So that gripper comes in handy I mean, I love it. Since the day I got it, I've used it ever since. The push stick has never come into play. Just because of the versatility of it, you could set it up so many different ways, and you have so much control you know, over that piece. So uh, definitely, next time you know, to always use your gripper. <laughs> I do it every time. Like I put it there for a reason. Yep. I literally usually take it out, I set it up, and I, I use it every time. But – there's going to become a day and I guarantee everyone has done this or come close or will be doing it where they just 
It's a momentary just loss because you're trying to hurry up and get this done. Because, you know, I have projects for people that are paying, but I need this drawer done because I have bits that I paid for just sitting underneath my table. They need to be secure in in a place I could find them easy. Yep. So it was – I needed to slow down, take a breath, and just practice what I preach and I've done in the past. And I did it and I paid for it. Luckily, I still have my fingers and everything and just a bruise. But, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. AJ, <laughs> do you have any stories? Um, I can't. I was trying to think. The only f- kind of failure that I had was on the 3D printer this week. Um, it's been uh, – this weekend was kind of not so so productive. Let's just put it that way. Saturday was kind of just a blah day for me. I had zero motivation this weekend, so I'm trying to pick up now. So. If any fails come up, I'll write them down in my little notebook and uh, keep them for next week so that I can come and tell everybody. But no, nothing as we speak right now. The only kind of fail would be the the Halcyon. You know, I got to send you a picture or something, Josh, because – Oh, yeah. I've been waiting on that picture. I don't know which one you're talking about. <laughs> Not the dirty one. I'm talking about oh. the one that you said that you were uh, doing the Halcyon and uh, you messed it up somehow or something weird happened. And you were going to send me a picture of it, but uh, I have not received that. So I'm really interested in on interested on what happened or what's going on with that project. It's it's re- real quick. You remember that false floor that I'm doing? It has all the epoxy pores in it, and um, it has like I did all the carving and then poured all the epoxy, different colored and whatnot. Only around one carve is it's blotching. The Halcyon is blotching. And the only thing I can think of is I sanded those epoxy pieces to about like 3,000, but I did that in three different spots. And the only one that's blotching is one of them. And it's very strange. I lay it on nice and thick. I even poured a second coat right on top of that um, piece, like just in that general area, brushed it on nice and thick, still blotched. It's almost like the wood's absorbing it. And I can't figure it out. So uh, you shouldn't be absorbing anything if you <laughs> you polish that to three thousand. Um, yeah, I, I don't that's, know. I'm gonna have to do some thinking about that and see uh, what I can come up with. I don't know. I'm really not sure. But um, at this moment in time, I'm gonna <clears throat> start by wrapping it up and thanking our sponsors for sponsoring this fantastic podcast that I get to do with two lovely gentlemen. And um, you know, one of our sponsors. That uh that I was just talking about with the Halcyon is Total Boat. Go check out Total Boat. Um, they have a lot of great products. Like I said, from doing epoxy pours to finishing a tabletop, bar top, um, protecting everything that needs to be out in the elements. They are marine based, so you know their products are going to stand up to the harsh environments of an ocean. They can definitely stand up to the harsh environments of New Jersey or anywhere around the country. So. Uh, go check out Total Boat. And then also we want to thank Sticker Beat for sponsoring the podcast. And uh, head over to Sticker Beat for all your sticker needs. They have a lot more than just stickers. And Josh laughs at me every single time. But they also have packing tape that uh, I still have to get on board with that. But anyway, if you need <laughs> stickers, decals, any kind of uh, logo-based, uh, go hit up Sticker Beat. Use Sawdust Nation, no space, uh, in the promo code. And you will receive 20% off your entire order. They are 3M vinyl. They stick to anything. And they also release 
nice and easily, just in case you have to uh, take it back off and they do not leave any residue behind. So once again, thank you, Total Boat, and thank you, Sticker Beat, for sponsoring the Sawdust Nation. And uh, Nick. Thanks, AJ. And if you want to get a hold of us here at the Sawdust Nation podcast, you can go ahead and send us your DMs or voice messages to our Instagram at Sawdust Nation Podcast. Or if you're more of an email type person, hit us up at sawdustnationpodcast at gmail.com. If you're trying to get a hold of AJ, you can hit him up on his Instagram at Crafted in New Jersey. That's Crafted in NJ. Uh, if you want to get a hold of Josh, uh, hit him up at North Country Woodworking. So that's at North Country Woodworking. And myself, Nick, if you want to get a hold of me, hit me up on at NPG Creations. Um, Josh, over to you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for another episode of Sawdust Nation Podcast. We enjoy doing these podcasts and, you know, telling you about our journeys and what we're learning and <laughs> the stupid stuff we do in our shops. Um, be safe. And uh, if you have any tips or feedback for us, you could always hit us up at the contact info that Nick already that Nick already said, I got my cat up here. She's wanting to talk. Uh, forgive me. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, leave us a comment, and let us know how well you like – how well you like it. I don't know. How much you like our Sawdust Nation podcast, who you – you know, how you like Nick being on the show. And uh, remember, five-star reviews help us get up in the ranking, and then more people get to listen to the Sawdust Nation podcast. And with that, I will say bye-byes, everybody. I love everybody. I hope everybody has a great week when this gets released on Thursday-ish. And over to you, Nick. Just remember, folks, take care of yourselves and each other. Till next time. Sawdust Nation, out. Always use a gripper. Unlike Josh. Ooh. I use the gripper on my hose, my festal hose, my Did you four get inch shocked hose. by your hose? By, by my four-inch hose, yes. Mm. That's a big shock. And it a small shocked. hose. I'll tell you what. The first time I got shocked, I, it was... I was I didn't so know. shocked. I had, <laughs> I had no idea. Like I, When I first started doing all this stuff with a planer, I had no idea that you could get shocked. But then I was like, huh? You know, all that air running through there, all that material creating static electricity. Just, uh, yeah, it was shocking. Uh, knock on wood, my four-inch hose on my dust collector has not shocked me yet. And before I put that whole system together, that was like, I was waiting for an explosion. When I turned the dust collector <laughs> on, I was waiting for like two minutes later just to have like a literal explosion. Actually, I did scare the hell out of myself when the bag blew off. And Josh can attest to this because I literally was running it. Next thing I know, I hear this loud thump, and I was uh, pretty close to it. And, and next thing you know, I, I had to check myself for um, <clears throat> leavings. So I was when I first got the planer, I was I was like, I'm gonna use this outside. You know how much dust or how much chips can it actually make? I thought it wasn't gonna. So this planer doesn't it doesn't just drop the chips behind it. It has a no. turbo fan inside that blows it everywhere. So yeah. I'm like, I have my planer facing the neighbor's house and the neighbor's driveway, and I'm, I start running a, a two-by-four <laughs> through it. 
and it starts snowing on the neighbor's car with pine chips. And I was like, oh, my gosh, shut it off, shut it off. It was terrible. That's that's pretty good. Um, talking about four-inch hoses, mine was all blocked up. I had to uh, pull it off, and, uh, you know, it was full of one uh, debris. and um, You had to do a hose directomy? Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. So long story short, I went to go use uh, you know my four inch hose, and I hooked it up to my table saw, and I look and there's like no, it wasn't sucking up anything. Like I even took it off and I like went to the CNC station, put it down some sawdust, and it basically didn't do anything. I'm like, okay, something's wrong here. Luckily, attached this just with a clamp, so I go over there, I undo it, take it outside. And there's a good probably foot section or foot and a half section of a clog of just sawdust sitting in there. And once I got that out, it worked fine. But, man, like I didn't even realize it. So I was wondering how long it, it, it's it been since, you yeah. know, it started doing that. You got to really look out and make sure your hose ain't too clogged or it just won't work. I was going to say you were wondering how long your hose was clogged. 